0: Antarctica is the highest, driest, coldest, windiest, and emptiest continent on Earth. Every year, more than 400 scientists venture there to study everything from astronomy to microbiology. But they can't do it alone. It takes a small army of support staff to keep them all safe and fully operational. The Antarctic Sun podcast is a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes for the National Science Foundation to maintain the research stations and vessels that support ongoing science in the harshest continent at the bottom of the planet. This episode, The Galley. Scientists need to eat. The support staff assisting those scientists, they also need to eat. So every day, McMurdo Station's kitchen staff serves up hot, delicious meals for as many as 1,000 people at a time. Cooking for all of these people needs to happen on an industrial scale, in a location thousands of miles from the nearest grocery store, on a continent with no native people or plants, in a spot that can get as cold as minus 50 degrees below zero in winter. It's a bit of a logistical challenge, to put it mildly, but the kitchen staff at McMurdo Station is up for it. Yeah, I mean, this is large-scale cooking at its finest. This is Mark Jankovic, and he is the PM sous-chef in McMurdo Station's kitchen, which is often referred to as the galley. It's a large industrial kitchen, not unlike what you might see in a large school cafeteria. Mark is in charge of organizing all of the cooks working in the kitchen and the PM chef preparing dinner.
1: I was a cook in the Army for five years, so this is
0: kind of similar to a large-scale cooking that we do. Cooking for a whole station of people is a big task, and to make sure nothing gets wasted, everything has to be carefully organized ahead of time so they know exactly how much to cook. And The station population can vary from as low as 200 to as high as nearly 1,000 people, so the kitchen staff needs to do their best to stay on top of those numbers to make sure that they're not wasting anything or coming up short. So it's all planned
1: out, and they use a kind of like a, an equation. Number of people equals how many ounces of a serving, like an eight-ounce serving and then they pull said pounds of meat. So meat can range anywhere between 100, 120 pounds. Uh, and then we do do two separate items, so you have to split it in between those two. So there is a set framework that we use and a set matrix that we follow. Sometimes there's leftovers, sometimes we need more, so it's not perfect, but there is a definitely guideline that we use.
0: Translating that equation into actual meals is Addie Rossick's job as a food services supervisor.
2: So um, I plan the menus here in McMurdo. I, we have a four-week menu cycle, so I'm always updating and keeping them up to a product that we need to use or that we have extra of that's in the freezer, stuff like that.
0: And just like how the number of people on station is constantly changing, so too are the supplies and storage as new stocks arrive or get consumed.
2: So what we try to do is we see the product we have. So right now we might be a little low on chicken, so I might have to substitute. We have chicken Veracruz one night. Uh, We may not be able to order that, so it might be Swai Veracruz.
0: Every day, Forklifts ferry pallets of frozen food to the kitchen from the building-sized freezer next door. And frozen food can be kept for a long time, so the galley can receive huge shipments of food all at once and then keep it on ice for a while. And yes, we do have freezers, even in Antarctica.
2: Um, right now, I'm working with products that came in as much as 2013, so a lot of that product, we're either deciding if we need to use it, how we need to use it, so that's mostly the menu tailoring, but all the recipes are there and everything is pretty uh, laid out already for me. For the most part, the, I just have to work with product inventory.
0: Food is more than just fuel. It's also a comfort item and a morale booster as well. The kitchen staff are always looking for new ways to innovate and make the dining experience a little bit better for everyone on the station.
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is my third year. I think this is probably the best out of three. Uh, we're doing a lot more involved items like action stations and trying to get, you know, a variety of food because we know everybody has their own likes and dislikes, and you know, we try to make it as much as a home
0: as possible. One of the newer and popular options for station residents are the action stations, where depending on the night, you can get a veggie stir fry or cheeseburger cooked to order. Uh,
1: Last year, they were kind of a test run, especially for like Mongolian Grill or Burger Bar. Um, But I think this year we really have expanded on all those and really did a pretty good job with the quality of food overall.
0: Production cook Devin Reed stands over the Mongolian Grill's hot skillet, frying vegetables and meat while a line of eager station residents winds along the edge of the galley. Uh, yeah, we do this three nights a week. We do uh, burritos two nights a week and burgers two nights a week. It's kind of nice for the community to be able to eat hot, fresh food. It's like steaming hot, just cooked. The line is longer today than usual because fresh vegetables, a rarity this late in the season, just arrived. It's been about two or three weeks since we've had a fresh order. We got it in last night at like 10 o'clock. And it's nice to see people like smiling because there's fresh food. Fresh fruit and vegetables are hugely popular on station, but they can be a rarity. Freshies, as they're known, spoil fast, so new supplies have to constantly be flown in. But late in the season, when the smaller LC-130 Hercules planes take over from the C-17s to deliver supplies to the station, the available cargo space shrinks, so science cargo gets prioritized.
2: Um, We only order vegetables usually that are pretty hardy or that we can use immediately because we never know if that plane's gonna come. Uh, Like right now, we have some fresh vegetables sitting in Christchurch that aren't able to get here. So we're waiting on that. Um, And when we were at a larger quantity with the C-17s, it was way easier to plan. Uh, Now we just basically plan to not have them and it's a bonus when we get them on the Herx.
0: When space is available and freshies arrive in the galley, the exciting news spreads quickly around the station. Whenever fresh
1: stuff gets in, we try to push it out and use it as much as we can. You know, in places that they can see that it's, you know, a fresh item, um, because we know how popular that is and how you know can make somebody's day. In between those freshy shipments, it's not like the station is totally without produce. Um, But yeah, frozen stuff is used a lot, and frozen products aren't that bad. I mean, a lot of they still have the same basically
0: value of a fresh stuff. It's just in a different form. And though freshes are the most obvious example of a limited resource, really everything is limited to some extent. It's probably the biggest difference between cooking in Antarctica and cooking back home.
1: It's just the availability of some items that you would take for granted. Simple stuff like flour to make roux or gravies or stuff like that. Maybe not available just because of the location or the logistics. Obviously anything fresh, from fresh vegetables to simple stuff like garlic. I mean, that's a mainstay in almost every dish, but, you know, simple items that, that you do take for granted in a, you know, in a different kitchen in a different location may not be available here. Uh, but we do our best. We improvise. We, you know, omit something and add something else to make it even better. So we're definitely, you know, thinking outside of the box on every chance we get.
3: Here you have to really ration what you do have.
0: This is Jennifer Marks, the station's head baker.
3: So let's say you have X amount of flour for the year, you have X amount of butter for the year. You can't use it all in one week, obviously. Um, So that's been a challenge, whereas before, you could just go and restock what you had.
0: McMurdo Station has been running for more than 60 years, so by now, the people in charge of ordering food for the season have a pretty good idea of what they're going to need.
3: I was, this is my first season, and I was expecting far less availability of product, and so far I've been really pleasantly surprised. The amount of cream and butter and eggs and other sort of fresh ingredients like that, um, although we're kind of reaching the tail end of having those, getting to have them for as long as we did in the season was really surprising to me too.
0: On the one hand, it's just not practical to ship bread down to Antarctica. It takes up a lot of space. It would probably get squished on the way over or go stale or get moldy. And it's just way more efficient to ship down all the raw components like flour, sugar, and yeast and let the two bakers do their thing. But there's another side to having a bakery on the station as well.
3: The bakery is a huge morale boost for us when we're down here. Like, just the ability to have pastries. And we do birthday cakes. We do special treats for events. We, it's a huge population of people that like eating cookies here every day. And I think we just keep the spirits up.
0: For the station, perhaps the biggest morale boost of all are the big holiday feasts that the kitchen whips up for Thanksgiving and Christmas.
3: One of the things that was really fun and really cool for us as a team was the holiday stuff that we got to do. We put out like 140 pies and 1,000 rolls and just... It was really fun, though, and it was really... It was a really good team-building activity for the two of us.
0: The whole kitchen goes into overdrive to put together a feast for the entire station. And technically, it's five. Three different seatings for the day shift, one for the night shift, plus one for the kitchen staff themselves. And if organizing a normal day's meals takes a lot of work... This is on a whole different level.
2: Over in the corner by the cook's box, I had Thanksgiving Central and we had a carving schedule. We had menus, we had uh, recipes all laid out there and they went over and each uh, team, AM, PM, mid bakery and salad are all divided into teams. And they take their tasks and they do them throughout the week.
0: The scale really is amazing. This last Thanksgiving, the kitchen prepared 41 turkeys, 400 pounds of mashed potatoes, 30 gallons of gravy, 140 pies and more than a thousand rolls of bread.
1: Yeah, the numbers do get kind of big. It's kind of amazing how
0: many pounds and gallons and all that stuff and how much food gets consumed. For these big feasts, a lot of the community on station is willing to pitch in.
2: We have tons of volunteer help, which is great. Um, and they cut vegetables like you wouldn't believe. Um, and luck, thankfully, we have tons of fresh eat orders around that time. And we need a lot of hearty vegetables, like potatoes and stuff that we can keep. So it's a lot of just hands chopping. Um, and it's just a really fun situation for us. And then our meal's at one, and we have like a really good time. And then we cook for the rest of the community.
0: Cleaning up is as important a task as meal preparation. And there's a contingent of people in the galley to help out with that. Uh, I'm currently washing the bowls. They,
4: uh, they were big today because we had the seared tuna going on, so a lot of bowls going in, and the chefs were using them to plate it up. Um, so we got a lot of those to clean. Uh, my name is Victor Bericlo and I'm a DA. A DA is a dining attendant. Essentially, we take care of everything in the front of the house as far as the galley goes, so anything from beverages to dishes to washing the pots in the back.
0: They do so much more than just clean. They're there to help out the cooks and chefs and to keep the galley running smoothly.
4: Um, so we do all sorts of things, even back, you know, behind the scenes, such as, you know, the liquids that you drink, so the various Gatorades of milk and all that. We prepare that, the iced tea, have that everything ready, you know, the coffee, grinding it. Um, occasionally we'll help out in the back in the kitchen as well, especially on, like, brunch day we'll do a lot of those cracker trays. Um, aside from washing these front dishes, of course, there's all the pots that the, the chefs use, and we will use, we'll clean up those. And, you know, anything tidying up around the place after mealtimes, tables, you know, the dining lines, all that stuff.
0: It is tough work. There's a lot of scrubbing and heavy lifting, but it's critical to make sure that all the station residents get fed.
4: It's definitely an integral part of the galley. Without us, the chefs wouldn't be able to do their job, and without the chefs, we wouldn't really, I guess, have a job. So it's a really, definitely a a team effort.
0: That's all for this edition of the Antarctic Sun podcast, and stay tuned for more. I'll be bringing you more behind-the-scenes looks at how the National Science Foundation gets science done at the bottom of the world. And check out our website at antarcticsun.usap.gov for more news and science from the frozen continent. Thanks for listening.